Welcome to episode 93 of the Radio MVP Sports Podcast. Hi, everyone. I'm Tim, along with Anthony, as we uh, get one more in before the end of 2019. Happy New Year to everyone listening. Time you listen to this, it will either be New Year's Eve or we have entered 2020. So everyone have a safe and happy New Year as we, uh, Anthony, get closer to uh, year three of our existence. Yeah, it's incredible. I was just thinking about that now when you were uh, beginning. 93 episodes and just about just about two years going on three come March of 2020. And uh, it's a lot of fun. Uh, we've, we've seen a lot of growth numbers-wise, a lot of growth with listeners from not only this area, which was our main goal when we started this, but outside of Northeast Ohio and the state of Ohio in general. And uh, we also add some new podcasts and add some new features, where I think, uh, which I think have definitely received very well. I think the uh, the additions, the running with the Canes, and the high school football preview, and the YSU one. I think the high school football one has really, really helped us a lot with the uh, closing of the Vindicator. Yeah, it's been a uh, it's been an an interesting year here in the Valley. There's no question about it. And as we mentioned, we're in episode 93, and that means we have outlast more GMs and coaches in the Cleveland Browns history of yeah. Cleveland Browns 2.0 in our 2.75 years of existence than they have in the entire organization, especially in the Haslam era. As uh, the news just came down here about a half hour ago that John yeah. Dorsey is officially out as GM. Hiring Freddie Kitchen was his uh, – Ending of becoming GM of the Cleveland Browns, uh, it was a bad mistake. He didn't survive it. Haslam's are the most impatient people in sports. Mm-hmm. The only ones that rival their existence as a sports ownership is the Dolans in New York, which mm-hmm. are absolutely insanity. And uh, it's amazing that there's so much I want to say here. It's amazing that the Haslam's in their Seven years. Seven years. Yeah, seven years. Twelve have actually outperformed Dan Gilbert as an ownership in Cleveland and changing own uh, GMs and coaches. Mm-hmm. The Cavs have gone through plenty. I mean, so many in the last yes. during the uh, Gilbert era. But at least they have a championship to hang it. At least they've been to the NBA Finals five times in yes. the Gilbert era. The Haslam's they've won seven games once. Yeah, once. last year, and they won six games this year. And the coach that got the biggest leeway was a coach that went one and thirty-one in his first thirty-two games. I mean, this, it is it. it's it's insanity what's going on here. I mean, it it's no problem. I have absolutely no problem firing Freddie Kitchen. No, it was a mistake. It was a reach. We talked about that when they hired him. We talked about that during the preseason, throughout the season. It's not like I've said. I've never blamed Kitchen for taking the job. If you get offered an, a, a job of a lifetime, you take it. Absolutely, because uh, there just might be that situation where you do succeed. But mm-hmm. chances were pretty high that he was going to fail. And if he did fail, like he did going down the stretch, there was no way to recover. I actually feel bad for uh, Kitchen on a personal level as a as a human being mm-hmm. because. I think he was blindsided, believe it or not. I think everybody in the world knew but him. Tim, and that's the reaction that's I had. Point. That is a perfect point right there. Uh, before uh, just running around today, before I left, uh, the Browns Red Zone show was on. And 
always say that's as a fan of an as a non-Browns fan, that show is really cool. Uh, it's very rare that uh, three prominent media members, two of them who broadcast the games, sit down and do a weekly television show and take calls of fans. I think that's really cool. And they were saying that of all the coaches under Jimmy Haslam, that every single one of them has, has had that blindside feeling. Uh, they talked about Chudzinski, and they talked about uh, Hugh Jackson of how they were – they had great relationships and they always had these meetings with Haslam and everything was going fine and their job security was not in doubt. And the next minute they're being fired. And it's just, it is, it's mind boggling to me how poor of a job the Haslam's have done running the Browns. I mean, well, I don't know what way. to say. How you wonder how they were successful in the business world. I mean, that's the way I look at it. The way they run the Cleveland Browns, it makes you wonder how they were ever successful with yeah. pilot. I mean, it's just an honest, you wondering where, how can you run one organization to be so successful and so dominant in its, in its field, to enter another one and be so hapless? It's just, it's shocking. Here's a statement from D and Jam, Jimmy Haslam. We have great appreciation for John and all he has done for the Cleveland Browns. He has helped create a foundation that we'll continue to develop and build upon. While John Help has greatly improved our team's talent, we're excited about the core players in our roster, and we fully recognize that our team did not meet its potential on and off the field, and addition changes in leadership will give us the opportunity to success in the future. As well as general manager and continue to evolve in this league, we felt that it was areas that were needed to be reassessed. Over the last 48 hours, we have discussed with John about his role, and could not come to an agreement on his position, enable him to remain with the organization. And it goes on and on. But here's the bottom line. Obviously, every GM gets a contract, and it mm -hmm. stipulates his responsibilities and where he has final say. The Haslam's wanted to change that. And he says, no, I have a contract that says this. Yep. And if you can't come to an agreement, just you're going to have to pay me to go away. And that's yep. exactly what has happened. And it's happened multiple times with the cat. I mean, with the uh, with the Browns. It's just it's shocking. Uh, unlike the Cavaliers, unlike the Cavaliers, where every time a GM's contract needs to be renewed, they let them go. Yeah, uh, it's kind of like the Bengals with head coaches. They let the contract expires and then fire the guy. The Browns, they'll they'll give you a multi-year contract and then just tell you don't come back, and uh, we'll pay you not to not to coach and not to be a GM and not to scout. It, it's it's shocking. It's it absolutely mildly. Yeah, if you want to give that type of money away, find find better ways to do it. I'm sorry, just find better ways to do it. Obviously, the story is Kitchen was let go. Not a big deal there. <laughs> I think we all seen that coming. We all wanted to see that coming. Word leaked out about John Dorsey being let go potentially, <laughs> and it has happened. It's going to be interesting to see how this next coaching hire goes because he's obviously Paul DePesta is going to be out front on this yes. hire. He wanted Stefanski from the Vikings last time, and they hired a kitchen. So it'll be interesting to see where this goes and who they can whittle down this list of, of potential coaches that they have uh, want to interview going forward and how they're going to interact. Let's face it, the, the foundation that the Browns have built in the last two years under Dorsey, they got quality players. Yes. I mean, you look at the – 
you know, the wide receiving and you look at the running backs. I mean, you basically had a, a running back who didn't get the ball enough, almost lead the NFL in rushing this past year. I mean, in the last game of the season, Chubb ran the ball only 13 times at 92 yards. You know, one of the reasons why Kitchen was let go, because he just didn't utilize his talent properly. This is what happens going forward. Obviously, I think they're going to make a big push for McDaniels. Yep, I and We'll see. I don't know. Uh, I had my own choice. Matter of fact, I was going to make a wild card type. I know he'll never get interviewed. Yes. And I know he's not on the radar of the Cleveland Browns. However, in the last 48 hours, to use Mm -hmm. that terminology, I've become more and more intrigued with David Shaw from Stanford. He's a phenomenal football coach. He's a phenomenal football coach. A lot of people have speculated that Shaw's career trajectory is ultimately in the NFL. His mindset, his demeanor, who he is as a football coach schematically, it just fits the NFL. And if that right opportunity arises, it might be intriguing him because he doesn't have to recruit. You know, that's a big thing. It's tough to recruit to Stanford in that conference with that with those academic restrictions. Yeah, well, the reason I like him, first of all, he probably, in a lot of ways, has his dream job being a oh yeah an alumnus of Stanford. He played at the collegiate level under mm-hmm. Dennis Green and Bill Walsh. Uh, he coached at three NFL teams along the way as a quarterback coach and passing coordinator and other facilities as he worked his way through. He hooked up with Jim Harbaugh at mm-hmm. the University of San Diego. Yep. Uh, in his first year. And he was the passing coordinator and worked his way up and went with him to Stanford and became offensive coordinator and quarterback coach and uh, passing coordinator and then eventually head coach. And you look at the success he has. Well, I tell you what, you're not going to find a better pedigree uh, mm-hmm. for a coach to make that next step into the NFL. I'm not sure he's 100% wants to make that move. I don't even know if he, it's even – a desire. But if you're just looking for a head coach, he came on my radar about a week ago and more and more I started studying that and thinking about it. He's a perfect fit. If you're going to turn around someone like Baker Mayfield and who is going to be your quarterback for the next two to three years, guaranteed, uh, at least next year, because you can't, you can't throw away what you built, even though Dorsey's no longer part of the organization. That's, the biggest part here everything Dorsey built in the last two years through the draft and through trades kind of goes out the window whoever takes over this team they had 31 new players on this team are they going to turn over the roster again it's possible that's the most frustrating part about where the Browns are headed you just there's such an unknown not knowing who they're going to hire as head coach not knowing who will be the GM not knowing the powers of uh the organizational structure going forward. Who's going to handle the draft going forward and what moves they make? I don't know. Maybe they bring Barry back, uh, Andrew Barry. Uh, I'm not saying that's the case, but just throwing the name out there. Possibly there was a name already mentioned with uh, McDaniels that is kind of uh, been – Yeah, Casario. Casario, that's it. it. Yeah, and, director of uh, player personnel there who has already – I made a decision to leave New England. He's leaving New England after the season's over. So I'll tell you what, another coach that kind of intrigues me for the Browns, and this is kind of a wild card. Again, not necessarily on the Browns' radar list, but 
the Baltimore Ravens defensive coordinator, Wake Martindale, because he's already come out and stated to, I guess, reporters that have asked him about, you know, what his plans would be. I can't remember his name. Uh, But the offensive coordinator for uh, LSU Tigers, Joe Uh, Joe Brady. uh, Joe Brady. Yes. He said he would bring him along to be his offensive coordinator. I mean, there's some interesting scenarios going forward. Very interesting. Extremely interesting. And I think uh, I heard also that uh, Matt Rule, who has made it known that he wants an NFL, he would engage in NFL discussions, um, he too has maybe mentioned uh, Joe Brady as an offensive coordinator. I think the Browns need somebody who's been a head coach before in the league. And right now with uh, Rivera going to the Redskins seemingly, that leads it down to McCarthy and Josh McDaniels. But I am intrigued, though, uh, the possibility of the Browns have received permission to interview uh, Chiefs running back coach Eric Bieniemy. Uh, he's done a great job with that offense and uh, the more modern-day offense in the NFL. And he's worked with Green Hunt before, too. So, I mean, there's a lot of possibilities. It's, it's kind of useless to – guess what's going to happen uh to predict it you have no idea what they're going to do right it's just and organizations and a consistent term of flux this there's a reason why this organization continues to flounder ownership of this organization for the last 15 years has just been Mm -hmm. lack direction and lack understanding of what it takes to win in the nfl it's disappointing i'm not look you can make a case john dorsey deserves to get fired you can make the case because he hired kitchen as his head coach and kitchen went six and ten he's the one who made that decision you can make the case on that alone and i cannot argue with that i can't argue with that no you how do you give the keys back to a guy who hired Freddie Kitchen as your head coach. When Freddie Kitchen, prior to being named the Browns head coach, was an offensive coordinator for eight weeks? Yep. And prior to that, had never had responsibility over maybe four to six players on any team as a tight end coach or a running back coach? Just an absolutely terrible decision. John Dorsey throws long bombs. He throws, you know, he's not afraid. a lot of risks. Yes, he's a risk taker. That's exactly yes, he what is. he is. I mean, he's made a living off of that. And taking Baker Mayfield, number one, was a risk. Yes. Signing Callaway in the fifth round. Huge risk. Yeah, and didn't work out. Uh, there's many risks. Green Hunt with the Chiefs. Right. I mean, he's a risk taker. Tyreek Hill, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing wrong with being a risk taker if you're taking them properly. I mean, look at... You have to know when to cut the court yes. on these players and when to say this. This is a, and it took a while for him to get rid of Callaway. But you look like Josh Gordon. Once he started down the wrong path again with the Browns, they were able to trade him to New England. New England didn't keep him very long and they let him go. And now he's in Seattle. Now he's suspended for, for life again. So, yep. Uh, we'll see, you know, what I think Josh Gordon has done in the NFL going forward and probably deserves to be after all the problems that he's had had however risk taking you it's kind of like poker you got to figure out when's the right time to take that risk when the bluff and when to to uh put your opponent in a bad scenario and john dorsey is it didn't work out uh vernon just was injured all season and 
your offensive line was suspect all season long. So, yeah, there's the risk taker that we're talking about. So it's very possible that was part of the assessment going in with Dorsey going far with him. And I get that. Uh, and if you're going to hire a new coach, you can't have Dorsey making the choice if you're not keeping him. So, yeah. you know, that had to be that decision had to be made. My question is now who's making the decision going forward? And do you look for a pair together, kind of like uh, McDaniels? And, yep. uh, or do you look to hire the coach and then hire the GM? And we've done that before. If you go back to the Mangining era, I mean, he didn't last the season. And uh, that was the end of that regime. So, yep. Uh, Browns have just been horrible for many years, and they continue to find new ways to lose faith in them. And um, I get it. Like I said, I understand you can make a good case for letting Dorsey go, but you can't without knowing what your next step is. It's very frustrating to watch on a daily basis. You mentioned, you know, you were a, a Bronco fan. And yes. How frustrated you are with with their GM and the mm-hmm. decisions they're making. But yes. the second half of the season, the Broncos kind of turned it around. Yeah, there's there is um, signs that John now with the last two drafts um, has found some right players. He's identified. Uh, some nice pieces in the offensive line. He's done a good job drafting receiver help and uh, secondary help. And maybe he's found his quarterback. Uh, but most importantly, he's might've, he might've found a head coach that is a no BS guy. However, he's a disciplined coach, but he knows how to have fun and let the players have some sort of, I don't want to say a leash, but, but the players have control of that locker room too. Um, and it's a credit to him how how hard the Broncos played. You, you know, you're own four, you're staring on the road against a division rival in the Chargers, and then things have gone really south fast. The Broncos were in all their losses except for a couple. So it's a credit to that, and hopefully it there's an upward trajectory and some optimism about the future now. And for the first time in – four or five years, the quarterback position is not a pressing need in the draft or yep. not a pressing need in the offseason. That um, is that's the biggest part of any NFL team is settling on a quarterback. Going it's forward. the biggest thing in football period now. Yeah, From the high is. school level to college to the NFL, uh, football has changed in the sense now that if you don't have a good quarterback, Tim, you're not going to win, period. We've seen it um, college level. With YSU, we've seen it in the NFL. If you don't have a quarterback, you will not win, period. Yeah, no, you just don't. I mean, at the high school level, it's pretty simple. You try to identify your best athlete. Yep, exactly. And use him at that position until you find someone who is a uh, natural at the position. And at the collegiate level, you try to develop quarterbacks to uh, that are show that ability at the high school level and develop it farther and you continue to bring quarterbacks in and speaking of that you gotta love what YSU did bringing in a four-star quarterback in there uh, I mean it just adds more depth and we'll see how it goes forward yeah it's an absolutely great move uh Demetric Crenshaw whose brother played for YSU in Devonier Crenshaw defensive back uh this kid's a stud yes uh he's just not a 
and Northeast Ohio kid, I will give him a scholarship because he's a brother of a player. Uh, the, this kid had offers from Boston College, Indiana, who's playing in a bowl game, who won eight games, Cincinnati, who won 10 games. And he set the state record in Ohio for most touchdowns in a state championship game. And he's won state championship in uh, two of the past three years. Uh, the kid's an absolute stud. I believe, Tim, last year when they lost, he was a poultry 14 of 16 passing. And you know what? People are going to say, oh, what about Mark Wade? You know what? Let the best man win. That's exactly what you do. Competition breeds uh, success. And you know what I loved him? The last two quarterback crews that Bo Pelini has had, both have had big-time moments when the stage mattered the most in the Ohio high school playoffs. And they're winners. Uh, we saw Mark Wade firsthand. Uh, that kid's winner. And Crenshaw's won state championships. And that's how you turn around the culture of your program, by bringing in winners. That's the only thing these kids know is winning. You know, that's the only thing Crenshaw knows is winning championships. Yeah. I think it's a great fit. I think it's an absolutely great job. Um, and there's some trajectory and reason to be optimistic there too. Well, to me, it's a culture builder. When yep. You surround yourself with people with winners. expectations to win. That's and at key positions, it builds character and it builds expectation. And hopefully it's a good step forward for the, uh, I think the last two recruiting classes for YSU have been at the higher end of the, uh, the spectrum. So let's hope that it continues to move forward on the field and hopefully we'll, we'll produce more wins. And like I said, I have not given up on coach Pelini at all. And uh, we'll see. I do believe it's he's, I think even found it more challenging at this level because thought, yes. it's you you can identify the athletes but you have to then recruit them, them to come here but not necessarily here when you're recruiting for the same base that may go to a max school or to yes. a another small division one type school mm-hmm. uh, you're going to lose out on some of those players it's when you are able to bring them into your fold and build on that going forward and building on, like I said, a culture that with expectations to win and stop having players who are, yeah, we, we worked hard this week. It just didn't work out that type of nonchalant type attitude. Uh, That is prevalent in all sports at the high school and the collegiate level nowadays. So hopefully you find the right players, the right combination and the right opportunity as a football school, you know, YSU has tradition. We'll see where it goes. And uh, obviously, we have high expectations and high hopes uh, for this program going forward. Tim, it's like Woody Hayes always said, you win with people. You know, you surround yourself with good uh, good coordinators. You surround yourself with a good support staff. And you surround yourself with great players. And I think what you said, you hit the nail on the head. Let's do recruiting classes, Tim. Plenty has identified skill position. And he's finally gotten guys in to where it builds depth. And that's a big thing. Our top 22, 11 on offense, 11 on defense, we've seen it can hang with Northern Iowa and Illinois State and, you know, South Dakota State. But when you get to your depth, that's where you separate the North Dakota States and everybody else. The pe- that's where you separate yourself from being a championship contender or being a playoff contender to being a six-and-six six middle-of-the-road team. Um, and I think the last two years we have a – uh, we've recruited some kids that can help us build some depth. And we'll see what the, uh, the future holds. 
uh, for the Penguins next year and the years coming. But uh, you like where the quarterback position is at. So There's no question about it. And uh, we'll see next summer and going into next fall how they uh, they succeed. It's always nice to have a little distraction about another team yes. to talk about. But yes, it is. about the Browns is this Browns team now, in my opinion, it's all about Paul De Potesta going forward and his stranglehold. I won't even call that his growth in the game of football yes. and his movement up the ladder with uh, the Haslam's. Uh, he's the man going forward. I mean, whatever happens to the Browns, De Potesta is going to be the guy everyone's going to be looking at. And because he's going to have a major voice going forward as what they choose to do. I'm kind of curious to see what chief strategy officer now. I wonder yeah. if he keeps that that title, or does he come like associated president or president of the Cleveland Browns or something like that? Uh, I don't know. We'll go forward and find out. Uh, yeah. You can definitely tell that uh, the Hasn't want to uh, promote him uh, higher up in the organization. So it'll be it's another uh, change of the year, and it's another coaching search in Berea. That's it. It seems those two go hand in hand this time of year. Yeah. Here's the thing that frustrates you. Unlike the Cleveland Cavaliers who hire within their next GM every time, Mm -hmm. that's not the case here. The next GM will come from outside. That means all the structure that John Dorsey has built, bringing in his lieutenants as associate Mm -hmm. GMs and player evaluation and that, they're all going to be leaving. So you yep. get all you you know it's not just the top guy. There's probably ten people underneath them that will all be leaving too and being replaced by whoever the next GM is and whoever the next coach is and going forward. So again, it's blowing everything up and starting over. And I don't know how often it's insanity. You just can't continue to do this and expect better results. And like I said, you can make the case, and I, I can't argue the case. Fire John Dorsey because he hired Freddie Kitchen. Simple as that. And, yep. um, yep. you know, let the chips fall where they may. And I believe that basically had a lot to do with this and the way this team performed in the last six, seven weeks. And uh, you can go back to the helmet incident when this team completely fell apart. Miles Garrett threw the helmet. That ended the, the Cleveland Brown season, in my opinion. That yeah. moment on, you knew the Browns were done. Yep. Uh, now, I mentioned we were done at 2-6 and six when they lost yep. to the Broncos, and I said they'd be 5-11. and 11. Well, I was off by one. Big deal. Who cares? It um, <laughs> doesn't mean a damn thing. Nope. Uh, all that matters is what they do forward, and I want to I see a professional at the top running this organization. Could it be McCarthy? You know, someone with that type of pedigree who's won a Super Bowl, who uh, has been very successful, made the playoffs, who's an offensive mind. Is it going completely off the board with another first-year head coach? And here we go again. Yeah, here we go again, not knowing exactly what we're going to get. And uh, going forward, they have to address the offensive line. There's so many issues. All that issues of players actually have to wait until – you put your front office and organization yep. together and your coaching staff. Yep. All that has to wait. All your evaluations going yep. forward. And that's the hardest part, in my opinion, about blowing this all up again. It amazes me that Hugh Jackson had two and a half years. He was into his third season as head coach. One in 31. And he went 
eight games into his third year before they pulled the plug and blew he's everything the up. Tenured coach. Yes. And he's the longest tenured coach under Haslam. Yeah. It, it's shocking. I, I, how do you put this in perspective? You can't. It's the NFL today. I mean, these owners just absolutely don't know what they're doing. Uh, Washington has gone through that the last 10 years. And now we'll see. They, they finally got rid of Allen as their GM, you yep. know, who absolutely destroyed that organization for 10 years. And Rivera is now the head coach, and they'll go forward from there. I mean, we'll see what the Redskins do going forward. But I, why do I have more faith in the Redskins right now? Then I do the Cleveland Browns, and that frustrates me as a Browns fan. And Sam, it, it, uh... the lack of leadership this organization has had since it's come back in 1999, and the lack of leadership has had under the Haslam's. And a good point is that is there was a press conference by Jarvis mm-hmm. Landry yes. uh, just the other day at the end of the Very season, poignant. and he was saying, "What do we need? We need leadership." Mm-hmm. You go more than anything. I think we need leadership. And he was talking about a head coach. This whole organization needs leadership, leadership. and leadership yep. it believes in. I just don't know if you'll ever find that with an owner who lacks leadership himself in the NFL style of owning a team. There is no stability in this organization. And it is absolutely the biggest joke in sports. And it's frustrating because they have actually some talent on this organization of players. Until the Haslam's get their act straight, the Browns will probably be forever 6-10. and And that is the most frustrating scenario going forward. And And I don't wish that. And I don't want that. You know, expectations were high this year, maybe too high. I get that. I thought that going in, I go, we got to, you know, bring this down to nine and seven and hope to make the playoffs. But that's what they yeah. wanted to do. I mean, that should be the goal of every team in the NFL. Make the playoffs and have an opportunity. We haven't even talked about the Buckeyes, and there's no need to. That Everybody knows what happened. They didn't get any breaks in the ball game. They played well. They made some mistakes. And those mistakes came back to haunt them. That it was what it was. And it proved how good that team is because that team made had seven or eight things go against them. And on the final play of the game, they basically had a chance to win it still. So I'm not going to wail on that too much. But, yeah, the Browns needs leadership going forward, and I just don't know. If I had to throw out three, four names for the Browns as a head coach just for the hell of it, McCarthy's obviously got to be towards the top. I'm still intrigued as hell by – Urban Meyer, if he's even interested in the NFL, I have no idea. The, to At me, this point, his, I doubt it, but let's just wait and see. And then, uh, obviously, I mentioned Shaw earlier. I'll even go as far as you're going to go go risk-taking. Try Wick Markendale. And if he brings in Brady with him as the offensive coordinator, that could be a really interesting thing going forward. Roman, I think, would be interesting, too, as an offensive guy. Stavansky, I have no idea. I think you might be running into the same type of thing where you had with, with kitchens. Cause we just, yep. he has not been a play caller that long. Two points on, on this real quick. The Washington Browns from an outsider's perspective, it's, it's amazing that year after year after year, they seem to bungle it all up. Everything they touch, it just, it's not right at all. 
and it makes me appreciate what Mr. Bowen did for the Broncos even more. If I'm a Browns fan, I want a defensive guy because I can always go get an offensive coordinator. I mean, it's not like you got to get an offensive coordinator in there that needs to develop guys that quite aren't there yet. You have talent there. If I'm the Browns, I'm honing in on two guys. I'm going in on Robert Sala, the defensive coordinator of the 49ers, or like you said, Tim, Wink Martindale with the Ravens. I think that those are two guys, two high-energy guys. Sal is an absolute beast on the silence. You ever see him on the silence? He's engaged, he's fired up, and he's nothing but positive. He's a good leader. And the Browns need a good leader, a good, strong leader. And I think his scheme, a high-energy, aggressive from all angles, would fit the Cleveland Browns. And there's talent there to work with. But then, on the other hand, uh, Wink Martindale excites me because he knows the division. He knows the AFC North. He knows – Tim, you and I have talked about the beginning of every season, no matter what. It is. If it's YSU, if it's the Indians, if it's the Browns. How – what's the quickest way to the playoffs, Tim? Win your conference. Win your division. And how do you do that? You win your division games. And we, sit, we sat here for 93 episodes and broke it down with the Indians. You win this amount of games in the division – you're going to be in. The Browns, you win this many games in the division, you're probably going to be on a great chance come November, December. YSU, the same thing. So I think those two guys would be at the top of my list. I get it. I would not, I would not look at Josh McDaniels because he failed miserably in Denver. While he's a really no failed player. miserably. Think about it. Yeah, he did. He took you to the playoffs and won a game with Tim Tebow no, he as your head coach. I mean, as your quarterback. No, no that was John Fox. No, that was John Fox who was the head coach that year. Are you sure? I don't yes. think so. Yeah. Uh, McDaniels was fired after a year and a half after he um, – McDaniels was the one who drafted Tim Tebow. Yeah. And then uh, he Tim was Tim Tebow threw the touchdown pass against the, the Steelers. Yeah, that right? was John Fox. Yeah, that was John Fox and Mike McCoy. All right. Year. If you say so, I, I trust yeah. the Bronco fan. Yeah. I, yeah. My uh, memory McDaniels says it's, it's Josh McDaniels. Okay. McDaniels was fired after a year and a half. Started out six and zero as Broncos head coach. Yeah. And then after that, um, well, if I I was of a betting man, I say McCarthy's one, McDaniels is two going forward. But uh, I am a betting man, but I'm I don't bet that way. So, <laughs> I am betting. Um, so with that in mind, we'll just wait and see. We'll see what the the Haslam and Depot Testa decides to do going forward. I'm not optimistic. I hope for the best and expect the worst. McDaniel and that started, is the worst type of uh, scenario you want your fans in. McDaniel started uh, 6-0 and in Denver and then went 2-6 and to finish that season. And right. the Broncos lost the AFC West in the last week of the year um, and traded away Cutler and Brandon Marshall. Right. And then he was fired halfway into the 2010 season when they were 3-9. and nine. And – he was very young and arrogant at the time. I think he was, what, yes. 31, 32 years old? Yes. Um, yes. I think he learned a lot from that. You know, it all, all depends on how the Browns feel, what what he did to the Colts last year, take him all the way to the interview, and then and the acceptance and this, you know, the, uh, the press conference introduced him and then backed out that morning. Well, so. let's put it this way. If you're going to leave New England, now's the time to leave New England. Yes. Yeah, because I think, uh, uh, Tom Brady's probably, in my opinion, going to announce his retirement after the season sometime this spring. Uh, no information there. I just honestly don't think 
I think he knows the time is to bow out now, and I think he will. And without a quarterback in tow, going forward with that organization, uh, it's a good time to get out. And I completely agree. I I think it's we'll see we'll see what happens going forward with New England. Let's just put it that way. I think the writing's on the wall. That era of Tom Brady has come towards a conclusion. Uh, he may hang on for one more year. I think that might be a mistake on his part. Uh, I don't think he'll be as fortunate as Manning, where he had a defense to help win ball mm-hmm. games and his leadership take him to the Super Bowl and win one and then leave. I'm not sure that's the case. If he's going to win one and leave, it's this season. Yep. I'm not sure bet against the Patriots in the postseason, especially in the Brady era. Especially when it, when everybody's counting him out. But right. you're right. This just feels a little bit different. It's just it does. It does. Um, I just thinking if there's a is if there's a time for anybody associated with the Patriots to take a shot on your own, now's the time. Yep. Yeah. And uh, we'll see. Like I said, uh, about Urban Meyer. If Meyer ever desired to be in the NFL, now's the time to take that shot because I don't think it's going to come back. And if he can accept that in his heart that he doesn't need that job or he doesn't want that challenge. I totally understand because he will always be part of Ohio state's university and he'll always be part of the, the athletics there. So, I mean, he has, and he has a cushy job with Fox sports. So Mm -hmm. uh, he doesn't need it. It's just pure desire. What you want to do going forward. I don't think urban Meyer is going to get an interview with the Browns or anything like that. So I'm not too concerned. Uh, I don't think David Shaw is going to get an interview with the Browns. So I'm not too concerned. I don't think under the circumstances where the Browns are at and the changes that they made that a college coach will be selected as the next Browns head coach. So uh, I think anybody coming from the collegiate ranks is probably already uh, etched out of the thought process of the Cleveland Mm -hmm. Browns. And I definitely believe it's going to come down to someone like McCarthy. If he's not offered a job somewhere else in the meantime, and McDaniels, I think those are your two leaders going into the clubhouse, in a sense, into the interview market. And then if you're looking at the first-year head coaches, uh, I think, as you mentioned, the two defensive coordinators, both from San Francisco and Baltimore, in my opinion, would be high on the list. Uh, though I think uh, Roman might be higher on the list, uh, the offensive coordinator for Baltimore over Wakingdale. So we'll see. Yeah, it'll be interesting. It's under the new year, and it's another coaching change and GM change in Cleveland. It's that's uh, December you know, in Berea, I guess, yeah, right? Uh, yeah, it's that's the story. And uh, as someone once said on uh, Twitter, don't forget to change your batteries every year this time of the year in your smoke detector because the Browns have uh, made a change. Yep. Yeah, it's it's every year, um, and you can count on uh, that happening once once a year or once every other year. All right, Anthony, I got nothing else to say. I get this off my chest. We'll just keep track of what's going on. Hey, baseball season is like 85 days away. Yes, Tim, and uh, once football came to a close on Saturday, it's time. I said in our last podcast last week that once football ends officially, it's it's time to gear up for baseball, and football is all over for us. We have no more uh, games this year, which we have a rooting interest in. Football begins our off season. And the Indians will report to spring training in less than two months. 
about a month and a half. It starts up. All right. I'll say this. The Liverpool Reds continue to do well, continue to win, still unbeaten. Top of the uh, the table in uh, the Premier League. A lot of fun watching that, and uh, they're going to continue on. It's just going to smoke them the rest of the way. There's no question about that. And uh, maybe by the end of uh, the season here come June, they will own three titles at one time. They have the FIFA World Club Championship they just brought in. They'll win the Premier League and hopefully defend the Championship of Europe in the Champions League. And uh, that'll be a hell of a story. Got to get the Reds, baby. Got to get on them. It is the best thing in the world. AFLW starts in about a month, so we'll get on to that. We'll probably try to get Gemma back on. And uh, I've made a ra- I'm making arrangements, hopefully this week, to find a date that works with Tom Reed, and we're going to have him on and uh, talk uh, Premier League and Browns, obviously, because of what everything's going on. So uh, for Anthony and Canfield, I am Tim here in Portman, wishing you all a happy and better New Year in 2020. And, uh, oh, yeah. Go Browns. (laughs) Go Broncos.